1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Meet or on the rocks, it's the Sports Bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan,
0: Rochester. Welcome back into the sports bar. Danger and Bataglia live from St. John Fisher University. It is Buffalo Bills training camp and one of our favorites joining us to talk Buffalo Bills. The host of the Locked on Bills podcast that you can hear inside the free-to-download odyssey. at the great Joe Marino making a visit into the sports bar in person. Joe, it's good to finally meet you in person. Welcome to
2: training camp.
3: Yeah, it's been awesome being on the radio with you guys throughout the years. And to meet you guys in person, be down here. Really cool. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, Joe, you've been in town this week, so I'll just uh, ask you the open-ended question, like your impressions here, what you've seen so far from the Buffalo Bills.
3: I've enjoyed it. It's been really competitive. I think that's probably the big word that stood out. There's a an intensity about this football team that you can feel. Um, I was here last year for a good amount of camp, and even comparing year over year, this seems like a football team on a mission, very competitive, very structured. They're getting after it. There's a lot of energy out there on the field. There's a lot of talent. Uh, Still some questions on this roster, but I feel like it's coming together well, and this football team's primed to uh,
0: try to maximize on this opportunity. All right, so let's talk a little bit about that competition that's happening right now and start the middle linebacker. We've talked to a lot of people about this competition, knowing the tendencies of Sean McDermott, uh, the idea that he likes to give veteran guys first crack at things. There's a trust that that goes into that as well, Uh, but you do have a guy that you invested a third-round pick in Terrell Bernard that's waiting for that middle linebacker position. Also, Baylen Specter, Uh, the late round pick from last year uh, showing up and getting some first team reps through the course of training camp as well. Evaluate these three for me. Joe, who do you think has the inside track and how do you think this plays out here once the preseason starts? I feel like Tyrell
3: Dotson's got a real shot at this thing and like you mentioned there, Sean McDermott loves to lean into familiarity and Tyrell Dotson's been around for the longest. He's been here since 2019 and a guy that they've even kind of stuck with him through some adversity that he's faced and I think that says a lot and just the time on task, right? There's a McDermott word for you. And he's got that over these other guys. And I feel like you know, even in talking to Tyrell Dotson in the past, you kind of feel like he's been waiting for this opportunity and he's gotten those chances so far in camp. And you know, we know that the big piece of this is not just how they perform and execute, but the communication aspect. And as Sean McDermott takes over this defense as the play caller, as a coordinator, him leaning into a guy that he has the most time with, you could see being a likely outcome. But, like you mentioned, Terrell Bernard, also a recent third round pick and very athletic. And I think that's where he has a strong case from an athleticism perspective. He's got a lot more than Dotson. And we've listened to whether it's been Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, Bobby Babbage, the linebackers coach this offseason, talk about how it would be good to have two matchup linebackers and using that athleticism. You heard Brandon Bean very candid on the Chris Long podcast talking about, hey, we love Tremaine Edmonds, but he kind of had a gangly frame. And that had some matchup challenges against some of these slot receivers, and you know, asking him to carry them in turn was was tough because he's big and gangly. And you could see Terrell Bernard in a lot of ways being the opposite of that. And we know that McDermott values relationships, and we've heard him talk about his relationship with Dave Aranda, who was the head coach at Baylor when Terrell Bernard was there. And so, you know, maybe that gives him a strong case. And then there's always that other guy, and that other guy right now feels like Baylor Specter, and the seventh round pick, a guy that's going to be high character, a lot of energy. You go to his story. He's got a master's degree in athletic leadership from Clemson. You know McDermott loves that. Yes. You know what I mean? You've seen you've seen McDermott in the past use these linebackers that he's gotten late in drafts, like an AJ Klein, and you know today's version of AJ Klein, different than ten years ago, when he was a fifth round pick out of Iowa State that wound up becoming a starter. So I think they've all got a path. I think they're sorting it through. It's about execution and how they play, but the communication piece is going to be a big part of what's ultimately going to decide this competition.
2: Yeah, if we can kind of dive into that. Joe Marino, our guest from the uh, Lockdown Bills podcast, because, all right, so the coach can tell things to the middle linebacker, but in this Buffalo Bills defense, like with that means before, say, what was he responsible for pre-snap? In in other words, are there adjustments? What exactly goes into the communication part of it? Well,
3: starts with the play call, right? So until 15 seconds left on the play clock, the coach has that direct line to the green dot player, which is traditionally your middle linebacker. Now, that's shifting a little bit. We had three teams in 2021 that used a non-middle linebacker as their green dot player. That jumped up to six last year. So this is like a little bit of a trend And we've heard. Sean McDermott say, hey, look, we prefer our middle linebacker to be the guy with the green dot, but we're going to do whatever's best for the football team. And so I think that they're experimenting and seeing if one of these guys can do that. Um, but maybe there is a path for a Jordan Poyer or a Micah Hyde to, to wind up having that green dot. But to, to kind of get back to what the the question is about what they're responsible from a communication standpoint, yes, step one is here's the play call telling the other 10 players in the field what the play call is. But then the play call is one thing, and then there's the alignment. Okay, how do they, how do they set up? Do you get a three-by-one, a two-by-two? Two? Where's the run strength? And from that, you have checks, right? You have things, you have indicators that are supposed to trigger to you that you're you need to adjust the front. Okay, they have uh, an unbalanced situation here with an extra tight end, and uh, it's there's more gaps, and so we got to shift our defensive line. That player has to do that. And if you're not lined up correct, correctly, your run fits are going to be off, and you're going to get gashed. Same thing with the secondary component of it, the back seven, your coverage concept. How do they line up? What indicators exist based on your your study throughout the week? The analytics, what do they tell you? Okay, when they're in this look, this is the, the tendencies of that situation. Okay, well, this is what they're going to do. we got to move the safety over a little bit. we got to roll coverage towards whatever good receiver they have. So that communication point is huge. We heard Micah Hyde say recently in a press conference, if that guy's wrong, we're all wrong. And so that – we're going to talk a lot about what the skill sets are, but that piece is so critical – And what's challenging from our perspective is we don't know.
0: You're right. We we don't know. Yeah.
3: And so we're going to all have our opinions about who should get this job. But if that's the most important piece and we don't have the information, it's going to be really hard for us to really – Pick apart all the layers to this and figure out who this starter should
0: be. All right, so let's talk about what we do see. Let's talk about the physicality of these three players. They all have a different skill set. You mentioned the athleticism of Bernard. Um, I, I think that that Specter kind of looks the part from his physical his physical makeup. But what's your break breakdown of, of these three individuals and their physical makeup? I think the
3: best combination of size and athleticism is Baelin Specter. It's not particularly close. He's the one that's six foot. 230-something pounds that has an RAS score, which is a relative athleticism score. It's A, a 10 is a perfect score. He's got like a 9.1. He's extremely athletic. So size and athleticism, that's Baelin Specter all the way. Now, just athleticism, it's Bernard, but he's a little lean, right? He's not the guy that you love as a downhill player, right? And that's the challenge. You need the guy that can play in space and cover and get depth and carry tight ends. You also got to have the guy that can go downhill and take on a pulling guard and push them back in their gap, shed a block and make a tackle, right? There's there's a lot there, and Bernard's the guy that's the most lean. Now, Dotson is probably the most effective downhill player, the most burly build, the guy that can really take on contact, but he's probably the most limited athletically, and so you have the challenges with what he's going to do in space and in coverage. So the best combination of size and athleticism in this group is Bale Inspector. Spector.
2: Uh, Joe Marino, Locked On Bills podcast. Our guest last week, we had the opportunity to talk to Taron Johnson. I would think that that's a fun position to play, where you could be linebacker, you could be covering somebody in the slot, you can be dropping back and could do any number of things. How important is the nickel uh, back in this defense, Joe?
3: Huge. He's a starter. It's a it's a starting position, right? There's a stigma from ten years ago. Oh, he's a slot corner. No, this a hundred percent of the snap player. And like you mentioned, the word fun. It probably is fun to play both. Corner and linebacker, but that's also probably pretty hard, right? On one on one play, you're having to match steps with a jitterbug in the slot, right? Guy that gets twitchy can run routes. You got to stay in phase, and then you also got to fit the run. You know, there's there's a lot. I mean, and, and for Taron Johnson, just an absolute unsung hero for this defense and what he's able to do because he exists, the Bills can play with more uh, lighter personnel but still be effective with how they they fit the run. Taron Johnson's a glue piece for the defense.
0: Joe, when we look at corner two, I think we all want to see clarity. We want to see somebody kind of elevate and cement their role opposite Trey White, but history has shown that that's not necessarily what Sean McDermott yeah. does in this defense either. So what's your projection for how this all plays out? Because we've seen great plays from Benford. Kyrie Elam is, is, is battling in practice as well. We love, we love Dane Jackson, right? We yeah. love us some Dane Jackson. He's been here. So how does this all play out opposite Trey White for this defense?
3: It's tough to predict. I mean, you definitely have a three-way competition between these guys, a lot of opportunity for all of them to run with the first team. And I understand there's a lot of frustrations. Kyrie Elam's a first-round pick. You traded up to get him, and you certainly didn't do that because you didn't think he could beat out a sixth-rounder in Benford from Villanova and a seventh-rounder from a few years ago. Um, but that's, that's the reality, and I don't know that that's so much an issue with Kyrie Elam as it is you've got two other guys that are worthy and so as frustrating as it might be for Bills fans to think, wow, the first-rounder can't win this out, you should also really be happy that competitions are existing and that if you are a sixth or a seventh-round pick and you perform, that you do have those opportunities to have a starting job. But the reality is we're all wanting to know, how does this end? I think there's a good chance that this is a platoon situation. You know, We saw it with Levi Wallace and Josh Norman, yeah. Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson, how about last year? Yes. I mean, we've we've seen literally three of the last five, six years a legitimate rotation opposite of Tradavius White. I could see that happening again this year and it being very game plan specific, given those three guys have very different skill sets.
2: Joe Marino, the locked on Bills podcast, switching to the other side of the ball, and the one player that has a lot of Bills fans excited is Dalton Kincaid. And everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but most players look great this time of year, and it's a season of optimism, but Joe, is there something real here? I really want to see it when the Bills take on the Colts and see how does it look against another opponent, but from what you've seen so far, what should be the level of optimism with Dalton Kincaid?
3: I think there's a lot to be excited about with Dalton Kincaid. Very smooth, very natural, and he's had less than seven or eight practices in the NFL under his belt. And I think what's meaningful to me there is that you can often look at a rookie, especially a tight end. Tight ends are typically slow developing, right? You have to be an offensive lineman and a receiver. It's a lot. It doesn't look like he's drinking from a fire hose out there, right? Nothing looks too big for him. He just seems like he's one of the guys. You watch this team practice and it's pretty clear four, thirteen, fourteen, eighty-six, 13, 14, 86 and 88. Those are the guys that that's the offense. And it's impressive that he blends right in with those players, especially considering he's the youngest one and he's young to football, right? I mean, did not didn't even really start playing until late in high school. You're right? Goes to San Diego, goes to Utah. His maturity at this point, the confidence, how natural it looks at this point, is where I get a lot of confidence in. Dalton Kincaid being able to step into this football team and be a meaningful weapon pretty soon.
0: Well, in his second year, James Cook out of the backfield, I think there's a lot of excitement around what he could bring to the table. We wanted, I think, to see more of what we, we knew he did at Georgia last season. He's a rookie, but we're seeing it at, at practice where he's, he's catching balls out of the backfield, he's flashing some speed. What's your projection this year for James Cook and how the Bills might utilize him more so in this offense now?
3: I think he's going to be the lead back, but what's interesting about that is lead back means something different for the Bills as it does other teams, right? You talk about Josh Jacobs or Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, you're talking 300 touches. In Bill's world of lead back, you're probably talking about 175 to 215, something in that range. And what's interesting about James Cook is he's never been that. He's always been very dynamic. You love the skill set, but has he ever really commanded a ton of volume? Not, Not really, right? Even going back to his time at Georgia, he had two or three good backs all the time and so how do they approach the uptick, right? Are they willing to go from a guy that's really maxed out around 140 touches to now 225? And I think the Bills are going to be very deliberate with their approach there, and they've got other good backs in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. So through the lens of Bills' terms, I do think he'll be the lead back, but I I get really interested in kind of seeing what this all looks like at the end of the year and how much they're really willing to ramp him up as their feature back in terms of volume? I think it would be the lead back, but how much is really where I get interested. You're seeing a lot of comfort, though. He's catching the football a ton on the backfield and the practices that we're seeing, and obviously he's an explosive runner in, in, a, in a situation where they're not tackling guys. This guy looks like he's, uh, he's a million bucks a out speed. there.
2: Yeah. yeah, Joe Marino, on Bills podcast, where the middle linebacker is fun to talk about, corner two is fun to talk about, wide receiver battle. We can't overlook the offensive line, Joe. What are you seeing right now? out of the two guards, uh, the, the two battles here. And Osiris Torrance, how do you see the Bills working him in? Opportunity to start week one, or might it be better to avoid a rookie wall here to give him the opportunity later in the season?
3: It's going to be interesting. And, and you know McDermott believes in that rookie wall. He, he's talked about it. And he's been very deliberate with how he's managed rookies um, because of that. I thought this was really going to be a Ryan Bates situation and that the, you know Cyrus Torrance would kind of have to wait his turn. It looks like he's getting a real shot. I mean, you're watching practice, and they're getting equal reps in, in terms of first team, and, and there's certain moments in practice where he's the first guard in when that session, Tyrants, Osiris Torrance, and other times where it's Ryan Bates. I think it's legitimately a competition. Um, will they rotate there? We saw it happen with Cody Ford and Ty Nsecki, right? It's, that's not crazy. That's, that's existed, and that maybe that's part of their plan. Maybe it's going to be a little bit of Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance both getting their chances, and if it's a run-heavy game plan... You know, maybe you lean a little bit more into Osiris Torrance. He's the big, you know, mauler in the run game, and you, you lean into that. But uh, I, I think the most encouraging thing about watching Torrance uh, out here has been that I didn't feel like there was a drop-off, right? I didn't feel like that there was a guy that stepped in there and the, all of a sudden the offensive line couldn't function. Uh, on the other side, Connor McGovern, you know, the big-ticket free agent this year, right? That's the most money they yeah. gave to a free agent was Connor McGovern. Over $7 million a year, they did that because they wanted him to be their left guard. And I... I think he's been up and down. I think Ed Oliver's given him a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. And and what's interesting is you kind of felt like Connor McGovern athletically in in his resume, the pass protection's been the real strength there. And I don't know that through what I've seen, I've I've felt real comfortable. A lot of time left, right? You talk about offensive line, it's five guys working together as one. It's the sum of the, the entire parts. And you're talking about six, seven practices at this point as a unit. They've got forty something days until they play the Jets. I, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of growth with how they attack things, but I am looking for a little bit more out of Connor McGovern here as I continue to watch camp.
0: Well, how much of a value do you put on continuity there on the offensive line? Huge. You mentioned the platoon. I think it is huge, and and so you know, my I guess my question is: Is Ryan Bates' strength his biggest strength? Just his versatility and the fact that you can have him on the sideline ready to go in a pinch if somebody goes down if you need a center, he could be that guy. I mean, is it? Are you better suited starting with Torrance day one just to get that continuity?
3: I think that's a huge, compelling argument to make for Torrance is that Ryan Bates can be your first player in at all five spots. And we've seen in the past situations where somebody goes down and you're switching two, three spots. I mean, we've seen Mitch Morse go down, which forces Ryan Bates at right guard to go to center. You bring in a new right guard, you, you, you're switching spots all over the place. We've, I mean, it's been even more drastic at times when Darrell Williams would go from right tackle to, yeah. to right guard. It, that's tough, and that's, that makes it hard to do the thing that we started this conversation with about the offensive line is it's five guys working together as one. Reps, time on task, you know, knowing each other. you got to work together, right? you got to scoop and combo up to the second level. The more you've done those things with the people you're with, the better you're going to be. You're, you're dealing with pressure schemes that are coming at you and the communication component and feeling the players around you is going to lead to you being more successful. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of benefits to continuity. And, and on one hand, you're not having continuity because you're going to start somebody else. But to know that you can have a one, a five-hole backup in one
2: player, that, that's huge. Joe Marino, Locked on Bills podcast. Last one for me, Joe. And it's about the most important player on this team. Josh Allen has the ability to be an MVP in this league, and if that happens, well, then who knows how far uh, the Bills can go this year. What is it in Josh's game do you think he needs to improve on in order to get to that level? It's
3: a good, that's a good question. And uh, well, How about this real quick? We're living in a world where your last question is about the quarterback. Yeah. Right? If,
2: what, <laughs>
3: right, if there's been times where, like, right. okay. That's all good, we talked yeah, about yeah. was quarterback, yeah. so that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, I think for Josh Allen, I think it's efficiency. That's the word I keep coming back from. Uh, his his splits when he throws the ball quick, uh, under two and a half seconds, shorter throws. It's not good enough. It's something that he needs to be more effective with. And um, I think if he if he can become more effective, uh, more efficient, and more effective with the short passing game, the quick passing game, that is going to open up everything for this offense. We know he wants to go down the field and make the big plays and challenge teams vertically. But you want to make that easier on yourself make them have to come up and tackle and, and lean into yards after catch. And when Ken Dorsey gives you the easy button, take it. And I think that's the big thing. Efficiency uh, with with how he attacks the entire football field, I think that's going to unlock this offense.
0: And Joe, you watch a lot of film. You watch this team under the jeweler's eye. I've been saying all off season, I don't think Ken Dorsey's bad at his job. I think Ken Dorsey's pretty good at his job. For him being a first-year play caller, first-year coordinator last year, offense was pretty good. What do you think... It, it, what, what do you think what are your what is your projection for Dorsey here in year two and do you think Josh actually has that communication with Dorsey where you can see him check down take that easy route more often than not
3: one thing that I'll say about Ken Dorsey well first of all the guy however you want to measure offense whatever statistic you want to put out there the bills are like at the top of the league yes and everyone's going to say well Josh Allen just a special quarterback and he he's able to erase this this failure as a as a as a coordinator in Ken Dorsey, he just coordinated a top three offense in his first year. One thing we don't talk enough about with Ken Dorsey is the challenges of being a first year offensive coordinator, but also what he, what he went through. He didn't plan on Roger Saffold being a disaster at left guard. He didn't plan on Spencer Brown, not taking a big step in year two, Zach Moss, not working out as the RB two, not having OJ Howard be the tight end two, and having the 12 personnel at your disposal, not replacing Cole Beasley and, and re- relying on Isaiah McKenzie to be a full-time slot guy after Jamison Crowder gets injured and James, you know Jay Coomer goes on. There was a lot that he had to deal with as a first-year coordinator, and I don't think that there's enough grace given to him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, he's the guy that Josh Allen wanted to be the coordinator, right. and I think the biggest thing is, is the transition from Brian Day- Dayball to Ken Dorsey. Not that they're different people, but Brian Dayball worked with Josh Allen from his rookie season. They grew together. Right. And, and I'm sure that there's a lot of ways that Brian Dable felt very comfortable communicating with Josh Allen that maybe Ken Dorsey in year one, despite having the relationship, you know, it wasn't as easy for him. But you heard Josh talk about him taking more ownership in the offense, being more deliberate with communicating with Dorsey about, hey, this is the stuff I like to do. These are the concepts that work for me. And now it's time for that to kind of come together, put all the pieces together and and let this offense take a big step in year two under Dorsey. And we just talked about year one, it was at the top of the league. So what does a step look like? I'm excited to find out.
2: Inside the Odyssey app, it's absolutely free. The Lockdown Locked Bills podcast. Tell us what you got coming up. You're heading to Buffalo tomorrow night, too.
3: Yeah, we'll be at the scrimmage on Friday night. Looking forward to that. Uh, Locked on Bills is a daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills. If you want to follow this team 365 days a year, it's what we do. Um, and so appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Free and available on all platforms. The Odyssey app, YouTube. It's awesome. Thank you.
0: Joe Marino, Locked on Bills podcast, joining us here live from St. John Fisher University for Buffalo Bills training camp. Joe, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks a lot, guys. There he is from earlier today, Joe Marino. While there was still rain coming down here at St. John Fisher College, uh, spending some time with us here in the sports bar and giving us his outlook on the Buffalo Bills in 2023 and his thoughts on training camp up to this point.
2: Yeah, I'm going to steal your line. Uh, Rain this morning. We've had three seasons here at St. John Fisher already. Yeah, in, in, over the course
0: of the last couple of weeks, three seasons. We had a little bit of spring, we had a little bit of fall, and we certainly had a little bit of summer last week around this time as well. Uh, but but appreciate uh, Joe showing up early for us uh, and, and weathering uh, or braving the elements and weathering the storm to uh, give us a good 20 minutes or so there, breaking uh, breaking down everything, the camp battles. And one of the things that, that, uh, that Joe mentioned, I mean, there's so much there that we can unpack. But, you know, I love the idea that, That unless you see somebody really truly emerge to be that second corner, uh, that there's a very real likelihood that you could see a platoon like we've seen in years past with Sean McDermott defenses where, based on matchup, you see more Kyrie Elam or more Dane Jackson. Certainly, more Christian Benford as well. Um, just one of the many things that uh, that we kind of went into there with uh, with Joe.
2: I thought it was interesting. Something I did not know. There were six teams last year, yeah, where the defensive play caller that wears the dot was not the middle linebacker. And I guess that kind of begs the question, would the Bills consider something like that? And here's a couple reasons why I would say no. Number one, Sean McDermott, his defense, you got to think of when he was in his heyday going to the Super Bowl Carolina, the middle linebacker can kind of see things, make those adjustments, perfect world, getting the front seven set. And then, all right. Well, if you're going to go some other position, why not the safeties? You don't have to worry about Poyer and High. They're going to. You don't have to communicate to them. They're so sharp; they know this defense inside and out. They can help. You know, if there's a young corner, or say somebody else is in place of Taron Johnson. And I think the Taron Johnson uh, conversation is is a fun one too. I mean, can you imagine just being in that position, having that kind of assignment? Like uh, one time, I'm going to you know kind of make sure I'm you know coming down as a linebacker and picking up this run. Back or I've got to drop back and uh, dry, get against a speedy receiver. So it, there's a lot to this Bills defense. If you love football, it, it's certainly worth diving into.
0: All right, so today from practice, quickly here, uh, before we get to happy hour and our conversation with Bills defensive tackle Daquan Jones, we heard earlier today, from Sean McDermott, who was asked about that corner two position, about the linebacker, middle linebacker position battle, of, you know, right guard, McDermott kind of clarifying that he doesn't have a set date for for any of these positions. He'll just kind of know when he knows. Uh, it's, we,
2: like, it's like sounds like you're dating somebody. Like, well, when you know, you know. That's you right. Know, like, yeah. yeah and, right. and
0: and so that that was the kind of one of the takeaways from his press conference earlier today. Uh, it was a good day for Dane Jackson and Kyrie Illum playing opposite Trey White, with each of them. Uh, pulling down an interception during eleven on eleven drills uh, this morning, we we got to see a little bit more uh, of Andy Isabella's playmaking ability. He's he's been making plays and some splash plays from time to time in practice, albeit with uh, you know some of the the second and third teams. Puna Ford out there with uh, against Osiris Torrance. Uh, you know we mentioned Osiris Torrance in our conversation there with Joe, somebody that could. Could start the season as your right guard if if you believe that that the best strength of Ryan Bates is his versatility and his availability to be that that first guy up and what to what to make of the the middle linebacker competition Gino that that you had Balen Spector getting reps um, both at middle linebacker and at weak side it sounds like they're kind of you know experimenting with what he's capable of doing you've seen Dorian Williams the rookie third round pick. Playing exclusively on the weak side behind Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dotson, also seeing reps with both both the first and second teams at middle linebacker in today's practice. Uh, we also saw the return today of Tim Settle, and at the very end of practice, it was right tackle Spencer Brown kind of gingerly walking over to the sideline, meeting with a couple of trainers and walking off the field together, but while the rest of the team finished their post practice stretching routine. Now, you know, we know that there's a history of a back issue with Spencer Brown. I'm not sure if this puts his uh, participation in tomorrow night's scrimmage in jeopardy or not, but uh, our friend Alex Brasky did report that Spencer Brown was spotted uh, on his uh, motorized scooter there, <laughs> heading to the uh, heading to the lunch hall.
2: Yeah, if you're lucky enough to uh, have, there's only what uh, three practices that are open uh, Sunday, and then you have uh, Mondays closed to the public, Wednesday and Thursday. If you have tickets to those practices and you're taking the shuttle back. Just keep your eyes open there because you're going to see Bill's players. It started out with a few, and you ran into Deion Dawkins yesterday in this uh, in his cycle. And, yeah. you know, like They have fun. I mean, college campuses, when nobody's here, it's, it's a playground for these guys.
0: Now, tomorrow, as I mentioned, back to Orchard Park, it's the uh, annual return of the Red and the Blue. Uh, that practice is open uh, at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon from Highmark Stadium uh, before the team returns to St. John Fisher again. Uh, for that practice you mentioned on Sunday. Uh, All right, happy hour is next in the sports bar. We want to get you caught up on uh, our conversation with Bill's defensive tackle, Daquan Jones, who gave us some of his time earlier today, right after practice. Uh, We had the chance to talk to Daquan, and we'll uh, hear that conversation next in the sports bar as we continue live from Buffalo Bills training camp, St. John Fisher University, here on The Fan Rochester odyssey has sports for every fan keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts a-u-d-a-c-y
1: odyssey this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds